0: to triad talks we've been on a little bit of an extended break but welcome back to the podcast this is our 29th episode and uh we've been gone for quite a while so we have some stuff to cover so uh dylan do you want to introduce what we're going to talk about first
1: yeah so at the time of this recording the saints chiefs game just finished it was a very tight game so just what tell us what your reaction to this game was uh
0: honestly, I'm gonna say that this game was pretty close. I was kind of concerned about Drew Brees going into the game. And during that first quarter, he looked pretty bad. Uh, he threw like six incompletions, which is like, I think the first time he's ever done that on the first six passes of his career, which is just a testament to yeah. how accurate he has been. Uh, but yeah, he just he just did not look good. He threw that pick to, um, to the Chiefs. Or that, that was a great catch on the sideline. And the Chiefs kind of had all the, all the momentum, uh, but I think that the Saints really rallied back. I think their defense really s- stuffed Patrick Mahomes, and I think that the Saints' pass rush was their real weapon in this game. I think that pa- they were able to kind of neutralize Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they made him fumble. They had that could have been touchdown by Alex Anzalone, but he accidentally shoved it out the back of the end zone, so it was only yeah. a safety. Uh, kind of a boneheaded move, but I mean, I feel bad for the guy you look pretty depressed after. Uh but all in all, I think that what really hurt the Saints was Cam Jordan getting ejected for that punch. I think that was a little bit questionable, but I mean if he did extend with an open palm, that is that is ejection worthy. So I think once they lost him, you saw that the Chiefs, they immediately kind of targeted the, the side where uh, his replacement was kind of uh filled in for Cam Jordan, so they were significantly weaker at stopping the run there. Uh we saw Clyde Edwards Hilaire go down, which is kinda of sad, but Overall, I think this was a really good game. I think that the first half kind of made me think that it was going to be kind of a blowout for the Chiefs. But the Saints really rallied back. And I think that this kind of shows how good both teams
1: are. Yeah, so Cam Jordan going down, you know, obviously the Saints were getting some good pass rush. Cam Jordan's obviously the best pass rusher on that team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mahomes was just able to extend the plays. I mean, we all saw that. One time on like a third and nine, I believe, he just like mm-hmm. rolls out right and jukes out the the end, shows it down to Kelsey, I think. But I yeah. think this ultimately reaffirms that the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. I mean, mm-hmm. the Chiefs, they could put up points on anybody and you really, you can't have an answer for them. They just have so many weapons. But yep. it also does prove that the Saints can hang with any team and they are still an elite team, especially mm-hmm. now that Drew Brees starts to get back in the flow of things.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> So now we're going to move on here. Uh, This has kind of been a a phenomenon in Philadelphia. Uh, The whole Jalen Hurts versus Carson Wentz debacle, it's looking like Philadelphia is kind of sticking with Jalen Hurts. We saw them put up 26 against the Arizona Cardinals today. Dylan, what would you think about the situation?
1: Yeah, so I have Miles Sanders on my fantasy team, so I've been watching Eagles games (laughs) on and off throughout this season. Carson Wentz has been consistently playing like a bottom three quarterback this entire season. I don't remember any good throws, any good reads he's made.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All of their wins, he still didn't even play that good. I think end of the season, you just got to let Jalen Hurts try to see what he yeah. can do there. Mm-hmm. I know they're still kind of in the hunt for the playoffs because their division is horrible. But yeah. if and if the Eagles make the playoffs, I still think I still think you roll with Hurts because Carson Wentz is not the reason they're winning games. And Jalen Hurts, you know, Arizona's an average defensive team, I would say, and he's yeah. been in some pressure situations. Mm -hmm. Didn't come through, but he still had a great game. So I think just keep going with Hertz and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I completely agree here. I think that when this move was initially announced, I was a little bit skeptical. I was like, hey, maybe they can just work with Carson Wentz. I don't think you just throw the rookie into the fire just yet. But Jalen Hurts has proved himself capable of kind of running this Philadelphia team. Obviously, it's very messy. I do not think that if they enter the playoffs, they will find any success. This team is battered. The offensive line is absolutely abysmal. It looks like Carson Wentz is about to die on any given yeah. play, which has definitely contributed to that abysmal 16 to 15 touchdown to interception ratio. There are also a lot of other factors contributing to it. It's Carson Wentz's horrible decision-making, which is a result of his poor offensive line, but also his kind of quarterback IQ. Uh, yeah. I think that overall, I like you, Dylan, I have not seen anything – to kind of be excited about by Carson Wentz. I think that you yeah. definitely do want to close the season out with Jalen Hurts. I mean, he's almost leading you to a win uh, against the team in probably the the uh, the toughest part of football uh, in that NFC West kind of division. So I think that you definitely do want to roll with Jalen Hurts. Uh, but I, I don't think it's super far apart. I could still see Carson Wentz maybe if he works really hard, he works on his mechanics. We've seen him kind of get off balance with his – super wide stance that he likes to do, almost like a pitcher, mm-hmm. but that means that he's, like, a lot more inaccurate. Like, I saw one where he just completely overshot, like, he, his foot was pointing towards the cornerback, or no, not even the cornerback, the the defensive back in the end zone, and he just overshot the mark. Like, I think it was – I think this was against the Seahawks because I remember yeah. this play pretty vividly where he, he just overshot his receiver, like, behind him and deep, so it's just really showing that he's struggling as a quarterback, and, then too, and I don't like, know. And then, too,
1: like, Dougie P likes to
0: run these trick yeah, plays with yeah. quarterbacks running. Doug and... Peterson is treating Carson Wentz like a bowling pin. He He's just kind yeah. of <laughs> throwing his six-foot-five frame into, like, the mix of defensive players and just letting him get injured, but yeah, I think it's just a messy situation in Philly. Uh, I think that we definitely do want to be optimistic about
1: Jalen Hurts, though. All right, so next up, we're going to discuss one overperforming and one underperforming player so far this season, as the season's almost coming to an end. Mm-hmm. So, my underperforming player this year was Ezekiel Elliott. I yeah. mean, I know this isn't entirely his fault. You know, the offensive mm-hmm. lines definitely regressed. Dak Prescott yeah. obviously got injured. Yeah. But Andy Dalton, he's you got to still be able to perform better with Andy Dalton. I mean this guy mm-hmm. is like getting stuffed on first and second down almost every single time. Yeah. Um, he's not an elusive um, pass catcher, so they kind of just got to use him on the run game and he just really hasn't been delivering on that. so Zeke mm-hmm. is my
0: underperforming player most definitely. uh shocker here, my underperforming Zeke my underperforming player is also Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Dylan, I do have to agree with that, uh, disagree with that last part that you said about Zeke not being an elusive pass catcher. I think that he hasn't been an elusive pass catcher in the situations that this Dallas offense has put him in. I think that Ezekiel mm-hmm. Elliott is definitely running back with a lot of talent. We have seen that this year with an absolutely battered offensive line. You see uh, their best offensive lineman, Zach Martin, going down. And obviously, I think the biggest hindrance to his development. And his success this season has obviously been Dak Prescott. Because if Dak Prescott is slinging the ball down the field, then defenders are going to have to be watching out for the pass. When you've got like a you've got a great trio of Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and C.D. Lamb, then you can just hand it off to Zeke and he can just do his thing. But now what's happening is a lot of teams are just stacking the box, so Mm -hmm. Zeke can't really do anything. I also kind of find fault with the coaching staff here, Mike McCarthy or. Whoever the offensive play caller is for the Cowboys, I I don't exactly know. I'm not a huge Cowboys fan, Uh, is doing a horrible job of implementing Zeke in the offense. Uh, We saw Tony Pollard today just absolutely go off. He got like two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had a bunch of receptions. So they are not utilizing Zeke in the way that they are utilizing Tony Pollard, which is just baffling to me, given that Ezekiel Elliott, when healthy, is easily a top three running back in the NFL. We have seen his numbers from last year. He was second in the league in rushing yards, and he had 12 touchdowns this year. He's ninth in the league in rushing yards and only five touchdowns. That just kind of speaks volumes about how this Cowboys team has just been consistent, has just been underperforming this entire year. Yes, they did get a victory against a battered 49ers team today. Their defense actually kind of showed up. But I think that this Cowboys team, if they can't bounce back after Dak, I think that that they're just going to kind of be in a hole because they have the talent. They just, they just can't implement it. They're misusing it as in the case with Ezekiel Elliott. And I think that Zeke is definitely a fine player, but this season he's just been bumming me out and it sucks because yeah. I took him with my first pick in my fantasy <laughs> draft this year. Didn't make the, didn't make the finals, uh, but, but it's okay. Uh, but Zeke was definitely a contributing factor as to why I was not able to make it to the final round. <laughs> yeah, so
1: moving on to over overperforming players, excuse me. Mine is going to be Philip Rivers. I've kind mm-hmm. of been a hater on the Colts this entire season. Mm-hmm. I often pick against them in our weekly picks. Yeah, uh, Philip Rivers, he just doesn't wow me. But I guess I guess he doesn't need to wow you because they're winning football games. I think their defense is a bit overrated. Ty Hilton oh, okay. definitely okay. regressed a little bit in terms of stats this year. Mm-hmm. Um. They got that nice running game, though, with Jonathan Taylor, Hines, and another guy, mm-hmm. I think. But I just mm-hmm. think the entire Colts are kind of overrated a little bit. So I'm kind of just pinning, okay. pinning that on Phillip Rivers as the mm-hmm. quarterback. But he mm-hmm. definitely has been proving me wrong this season. But I still, yeah. he's my overperforming player. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, uh, for my overperforming player, uh, I say overperforming because I, I had little to no idea who this guy was before the season. And after Leonard Fournette got released and I heard that this guy was going to be taking over, I didn't really think anything of it. I thought that this Jacksonville team is not going to be very strong. If you haven't guessed who I'm talking about, it's James Robinson. Uh, That's a good one. Uh, The kid has just been – he's been going off this year. Uh, He's third in the league in rushing yards. He has uh, 1,035 yards, third in rushing. And considering the fact that he's replacing Leonard Fournette, who was probably the most inefficient running back in the NFL last year, and on this Jacksonville team that is just horrible both defensively and offensively, he has been a bright spot in on a team that has just looked like crap the entire season. And I think – I don't know if it's fair for me to put him in overperforming, just saying because I didn't have really any expectations yeah, of sure, him sure. coming into the season. But I do think that he's, he's really just shot out and just been a perennial star in this league right now.
1: Yeah, so we're going to start breaking down some NFL teams – we're going to start with Drew Seahawks. Uh, Drew's mm-hmm. going to get the bulk of this, you know, as he is a Seahawks fan. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to start here. I think um, obviously, you know, the team hasn't been as exciting, as convincingly dominant as they were at the beginning. Russ is kind of slowing down. But yeah. the thing that stayed consistent is the absolute low skill level of the defense. defense. I mean, mm-hmm. they got star talent, Jamal Adams, Bobby Wagner. Mm-hmm. They just can't seem to put it together. They Mm -hmm. were in a close game against the Washington football team. Mm -hmm. Um, They still got Russell Wilson at the end of the day to make plays for them and win games. But I think they're definitely slowing down. I mean, Russell Wilson was the clear MVP favorite for like the first half of the season. I don't think that's the case anymore, which we're going to discuss later. But I think this is just wrestling down uh, DK Metcalf. He's still putting up solid numbers, but I think their defense is still bad. And that's really just what's holding them back from taking the next step.
0: Yeah, okay. So as a Seahawks fan, I came into the season projecting that we would go if I if I believe correctly, I believe that I was the least optimistic about our future yes, out you of are the actually. three of us. Uh I projected us to go 11 and 5, and I can I can see us doing that cuz if we lose <laughs> next week to the Rams and then lose our last week matchup as well, but I don't think that's likely. Uh, but let me just talk about what I see when we play. I think that as of late uh I think starting with, if I remember this correctly. I'd honestly, I'd probably trace it back to the Buffalo game that was that came right after that San Fr- San Francisco game that was after. It. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I'm going to say that. It, I, I'm sorry. I'm kind of stuttering here. But after that first Arizona <laughs> game, our first loss of the season, that uh, like thrilling overtime game, that 37 to 34 loss for us. I think that we played very well. I think that Russ was also playing well. But that game, I saw some holes in his game that I think have carried over to us kind of changing our game plan on offense. Mm -hmm. When I saw him throw that pick to Isaiah Simmons, that was uncharacteristic of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has one of the most accurate throws in the NFL, and to see him make such a bad read when he had Tyler Lockett wide open going across, going across the field, I know because Tyler Lockett was on my fantasy team and he had 53 points. And I was thinking, Russ, why didn't you throw it to Tyler Lockett? Instead, he tries throwing it to a double-covered David Moore who is out of bounds. So Isaiah Simmons gets a beautiful throw because Russ throws a beautiful ball, and he picks it off. So this is what I think was the beginning of the end for the Let Russ Cook campaign in Seattle. I think that because Russ has such a high completion percentage and is such a good quarterback, I think he's a great quarterback. I think that the people in Seattle kind of thought that, hey, since he is kind of carrying our team to victory already, we might as well just let him carry us the whole way. We saw Chris Carson Go go out, which gave us even more of a reason to kind of rely on Russ even more. But there's only so much that you can do with Russell Wilson. And given that we have a horrible offensive line that's allowed the second most sacks in the league. Russell Wilson has been sacked, I think, around 40 times this season, which is the second most to uh, beloved Carson Wentz. Yeah. Uh, I think that this really started at the beginning of the end because we did win that one against San Francisco, but then Buffalo is where I think we really got exposed. Russell Wilson got kind of picked apart by the Bills defense. We saw him lose a little bit of confidence, and he started making bad decisions, which is uncharacteristic of a quarterback of mm-hmm. his caliber, because I'd say that Russell Wilson has a very good quarterback IQ, but there's some times where he kind of gets locked into throwing to a certain spot and then he kind of throws it off. The, this is more of a if I do may I interrupt here. The Bills yeah,
1: are a very good team though. I mean, Josh Allen, you know, he could have easily yeah. won this overperforming player of the ward. Oh was, of course, yeah. I liked him uh coming into the season. my boy Jalen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, their defense was up very hyped up, you know, with Tredavious White. They haven't been mm-hmm. like super elite or anything but they're still a very solid yeah. defense yeah so i don't think losing to the bills should be <laughs> a sort of oh we're not an elite team anymore because i think mm-hmm. the bills are an elite football team at this point right right
0: no i don't i i completely agree with everything that you're saying Dale. i think that our loss to the the buffalo bills also kind of provided I, right now i'm kind of focusing on how russ's shortcomings mm-hmm. i'd say that Russ. Russ's personal shortcomings are probably the least of the issues that we have. I'm yeah. just focusing on it right now so we can kind of get through it. Uh, then we see him kind of get picked apart by Los Angeles. I mean, the Rams' pass rush just flat-out destroyed Russell Wilson that game. It was a miracle. <laughs> he walked off that field alive. Uh, it was an, it was insane. Then we see a close win to Washington football team. I'm kind of accelerating this so I can get to my main point. Uh, but – the gist of the issue is we cannot just have Russell Wilson throw the ball. He's not a pocket passer, and with that horrible offensive line, he's going to have to scramble outside of the pocket, create plays for us. But he's going to need some help. He can't just do a play-action pass every single play. The defense knows that we're not going to be running the ball, and then Russell either gets sacked or has to make a decision that he ends up regretting later and throws a pick. I think that those kind of bad decisions kind of took him out of the MVP cont. Con- uh, contention mm-hmm. and I think that it kind of brought down our team a little bit because Pete Carroll's like wait we're we're feeding this guy that's supposed to be the most accurate quarterback in the league but he's making bad decisions what do we do so then we started reestablishing the run game once we got Chris Carson back we got Carlos Hyde who we started implementing a more Bo Scarborough uh, DJ Dallas, we had this kind of plethora of guys, and I like that we started doing a more run-first mentality, which is what our team was kind of based on. That's the team that that went to the Super Bowl, and I like that. But we don't have a whole lot of talent at that running back position other than Chris Carson. I mm-hmm. don't think that that's a huge problem, but I think that it's a problem that we may have to consider given that Chris Carson is injury-prone. Now let's talk about the defense. The defense has been uh, – it's been a disappointment. Uh, I knew that it was going to be a problem – from, honestly, week one, because I saw Matt Ryan throw for almost 500 yards that game. Uh, yes, we got an interception off of him, but when someone cooks you for 500 yards, that's <laughs> just, that's not a celebration. I think that our defense has been consistently bad. I think that a huge, huge, huge factor of it has been the defensive play calling by Ken Norton. Ken Norton. I, I know he gets a lot of hate from Seahawks fans. He's definitely not the problem, though. I'd say that our problem, main problem is uninspired tackling. <laughs> uh, spotty coverage and sometimes we just do these kind of zero blitzes on plays that we just shouldn't be doing yeah that part is kind of ken norton's fault uh but i think that our our main kind of shortcoming is going to be our defense and i think that our defense is going to be our undoing we have the talent at each position we have shaquille griffin we have uh the jordan brooks our new linebacker he's doing phenomenally we have obviously bobby wagner and kj Wright, our big power duo there we've got jaron reed playing the best football of his career and we just signed Carlos Dunlap, which I absolutely love. He's been a huge factor. We saw that big sack on third down – or no, on fourth down today against the uh, the Washington football team, which sealed the game for us. He also had that big sack against Kyler Murray uh, that sealed the game for us. So I do like that the talent that we have at our disposal. It's just kind of play calling. But I think that as we kind of progress, I think that it's going to be kind of a learning process. I think that this team, where it is now – can potentially go to the Super Bowl. I don't think it's the NFC team that is the most likely to go to the Super Bowl, Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: given the Seahawks' just general luck and given that the talent that they have on their disposal, DK Metcalf, I haven't even mentioned him this entire episode, but he's been absolutely incredible this season. Uh, Tyler Lockett kind of playing a secondary role, which I'm not a huge fan of, but when you've got someone like DK, you can't really complain. Uh, I think that we have the talent to where we can go places. And since we are kind of, we have clinched a playoff berth as of today, I can definitely see us winning more than one playoff game this season. But as for the future, I am a little bit skeptical of what we can do, given that there are so many variables on our offense and our defense that can go wrong. Overall, I'm cautiously optimistic for the Seahawks. I'm still a huge Seahawks fan. I absolutely love our team. I love what Pete's doing. There are just some things that I definitely would change. Obviously, because I'm not in any way affiliated with the Seahawks, I cannot make those changes. But I do like where we are as a team right now. There are just some things that we need to fix to get us to that to that next level, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, I know I just rambled on for a, li- a little bit, so I'll kind of let Dylan take the reins on this one, given that it's his team. Now we're going to be breaking down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or as Dylan calls them, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dylan, what's going right? What's going wrong?
1: Yeah, so... Obviously, if you've been listening, I'm a huge Thomas Edward Patrick Brady fan. (laughs) And uh, I think the definition of our issue right now is just consistency. And when I'm talking Mm -hmm. about this, there's about three forms of consistency that I'm not seeing from our team. One is the defense. Second is the running game. And third is our offensive play calling. Now, I know, you know, I might be a little bit biased. Tom Brady, everybody was saying he's washed, he's washed. He hasn't been washed. If you can't see that. Check out the numbers, man. He's not washed, but he's not playing like, mm-hmm. you know, a Mahomes or Russell Wilson. But yeah. that's it still should be good enough to win games, which we are doing. I think we're headed on the right track. But my man, Bruce Arians, yeah. the, the run game has been iffy at best. We need to find a consistent running back. You know, we signed Leonard Fournette, which at first mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this could be good. But then they're kind of just alternating carries with Ronald Jones and him. None of them yeah. are getting momentum. None Mm -hmm. of them can catch passes to save their lives. I mean, they (laughs) probably have the worst running back hands I've ever seen in my entire life. LaShawn McCoy is our best pass catcher, pass catching (laughs) running back, and he's about 37 years old. Um, Mm -hmm. But, I mean, weapons on offense, you know, obviously, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Gronk's been playing solid. Obviously, we signed A.B. He had a big game today. Scotty Mm -hmm. Miller, who I was high on, um, Mm -hmm. he was doing good at the beginning of the season, but obviously he's taking a back seat now that Antonio Brown is here. Yeah. We are very past heavy team. I think at the yeah. end of the day, um, when we don't get yards on the first down, on the first play of the drive, or the first play of like, mm-hmm. the new set of chains, it does not go bad. It, it goes bad. And uh, we probably have the worst first-quarter offense and first-quarter defense in the entire NFL. I don't think we've scored a touchdown on an opening drive since, like, week mm-hmm. eight or week nine or something yeah. like that. Um, we do get better as the game goes on. But they just need to be more consistent because they have all the talent Antoine Winfield mm-hmm. Jr., the rookie safety, I think he's really mm-hmm. good. I think we mm-hmm. have either the best or second-best linebacking core in the NFL with Levante David, Devin White, Shaquille Barrett, uh, obviously mm-hmm. two coverage guys and pass rusher and Shaquille Barrett. I think uh, mm-hmm. we're not going to win the division. Saints already have that. But I think we have enough talent to make a deep run into the playoffs, and we could beat any team in the league, in my opinion. We were very close okay. to beating the Chiefs, and then that mm-hmm. was when Tyreek Hill had like his 55-point fantasy game yeah, Just really, Tyree Kill, I mean, he's been playing great this season. Nothing we could have really done there to stop him. Our DBs are atrocious. Our DBs, yeah. are atrocious. our DBs are atrocious. I think our highest DB overall is like a 74 overall at Madden. Really bad. <laughs> but anyway, that's my Bucks takeaway. I think we have yeah. the talent to make a deep run, but our issue has been consistency throughout the entire season.
0: Yeah, Dylan, kind of a follow-up question here uh, regarding the inconsistency in the run game. Who do you think should be the Bucks' number one running back since they have so much confusion at that level?
1: I think it's got to be Ronald Jones because mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette, obviously, you know, what he did in Jacksonville was amazing. We kind of brought him in as, like, a third down back, and he's been anything mm-hmm. but that with his horrible hands, as I mentioned earlier. <laughs> um, yeah. Ronald Jones has way more big play potential, which is sometimes mm-hmm. what we need if, you know, our pass game isn't really on point. He's broken that mm-hmm. 99-yard touchdown run. He's had, like, 40-yard touchdown screen passes from Brady. So I think it's mm-hmm. Jones, Fournette might have a better yards per carry, but Jones is just more electric, and I think we need that because we're a very yeah. short pass length team. Obviously, with Tom Brady and Chris Godwin,
0: yeah.
1: and mm-hmm. Mike Evans has to get the football more. Mike Evans, you'll see this later on in the, in a few weeks when we release our top ten wide receiver rankings. I like Mike Evans a lot, but okay. at the end of the day, his skill set is not the best to match with Tom Brady's uh, deep ballness at this point of his career. But yeah, yeah that's I my agree. that's my answer to that. Yeah. Uh. Also taking kind of a si- similar stance to Dylan,
0: other uh, other than the fact that I think that this team, I do not think that this team is going to go very far in the playoffs. I'm just going to put that out there. But I'm going to say that their biggest problem on offense is that they don't have a clear offensive identity. A lot of people have kind of talked about this. Mm-hmm. So i in no way innovative in talking about this, but I definitely do think that their offensive identity is very, very much lacking. I think that their offensive line is honestly secure. It can keep Brady yeah, it's honestly, solid offensive it, line. It can keep break- – yeah, I'd say that it, it was better than that that banged-up Patriots offensive line he had yeah. his last year there. Uh, so I definitely do think that the offensive line is fine. I think that if you're looking at it from a talented perspective, that's honestly probably the most talented receiving core in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Antonio Brown, like Dylan said. You've got Rob Gronkowski. You've got Chris Godwin. You've got Mike Evans. And then you got got – Scotty Miller is his guy. Uh, mm mm-hmm. But I'm going to say that the way that Bruce Arians are just the entire offense is being utilized is horrible. They're forcing Tom Brady to do a bunch of these deep throws. Tom Brady on deep throws this year. He's just not been very accurate. I think he's yeah. around 40, sub 40% in that category. Um, so he's just not looking good. I, I When I see him throw that deep ball, I kind of, hold my suck my breath in because it, it just it just does I not, do want it doesn't to, look uh, good
1: point something out here though um sure. lots of our deep balls are coming off of the uh play action and mm-hmm. our run game like we said hasn't been the best that play action isn't really selling it and on tom brady's best deep uh-huh. ball throws of the season you know that scotty miller 50 uh, yard touchdown yeah. against the raiders that one time uh mike yeah. evans has had some nice deep balls gronk mm-hmm. it's it's coming off of a play action when our run game is clicking so uh huh. I just wanted to throw that out there because I think uh, Tom Brady still has the deep ball in his bag, but obviously it's not as good as it used to be.
0: Yeah, I think just, just the accuracy because I think that he's got open guys. I think when Antonio Brown first came back, his first game back, Tom Brady tried like three down downfield mm-hmm. heaves to him, and all three of them were incomplete. And Antonio was there every single time. Tom just kind of missed him. I don't think that the fault of this team kind of lies on Tom Brady though. It's this that I think that they have an accumulation of talent that is not not being utilized very well.
1: Yeah, so uh we're going to move on to the next thing now. Very simple question. Who is the MVP front runner? So Drew, mm-hmm. who you got for MVP right now? It's
0: a simple question,
1: but it's it's very very hard with the the some of the guys that
0: are kind of playing so well this year year. Uh I'm going to take a second to give a quick shout out to uh Russell Wilson and Josh Allen, I think that they are definitely <laughs> top 5 in MVP. Yeah. In the MVP race this season, Josh Allen's been he's steadily improving every week and Russell Wilson's a stud. But I think what it really boils down to is Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. That's kind of been the debate as of late, and I think that these two guys have just been on another level. I think that the gap in between them is incredibly small. I think if you asked me this question a week ago, I definitely would have taken Aaron Rodgers just because Patrick Mahomes is coming off a three interception game to the Miami Dolphins, yeah. Patrick uh, Aaron Rodgers is coming off like a four touchdown game. Uh he's uh Aaron Rodgers currently has a 40 and 4 touchdown to interception ratio. He's third in the league uh third in the league in passing yards, second in QBR, third in completion percentage, 11 and 3 record. So you have all these accolades going for him, but then you just see this week I just saw some pretty uninspired play from the Green Bay Packers as a whole. They just let the Carolina Panthers kind of walk all over them the second half. As soon as they got that lead, this is what I, this is a huge concern I have with the Packers. They just kind of let it get to their head. Uh, mm-hmm. Then they allowed the Carolina Panthers to kind of get back in the driver's seat. But, I mean, the Packers have too much talent to kind of lose that game. Uh, but I think that I would honestly take Aaron Rodgers. I think that Patrick Mahomes is absolutely insane. I think that he is a, an amazing player, and I think that after this week, I could easily put match Patrick Mahomes at one, but I'm going to have to go with the bad man. I think that Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is doing a little bit more with a little bit less. I mean, yes, he has Devontae Adams, an incredible wide receiver, but then you look at the other wide receiving core, you got Marquez Valdez-Scantling, He's not a, he's not amazing, I'm not going to knock the guy and say that he's a bad player but he's he's not a great wide receiver you've got alan lazard he's been injury prone and not the most consistent player you've got an emerging robert tonyan who's kind of he's who's been a good option for Rodgers this season when you compare that to Mahomes's tyreek hill travis kelsey two of the best receiving targets Uh, uh, Travis Kelsey actually having the most receiving yards in the NFL right now, although that is due to Patrick Mahomes' amazing ability to throw the football. I put Aaron Rodgers a little bit over it just because I think that the things that he's doing at 37 is just absolutely incredible. I hate bringing in all these other attributes to a player when considering them for the MVP race, but I I just think that... Aaron Rodgers stepped it up so much more from last year. And I think that he just deserves this award more. And given the fact that I don't think the NFL wants to give a back-to-back MVP, but I feel like they'd honestly prefer Patrick Mahomes. So It could could go either way. But as the season comes to a close, I think it'll be kind of more apparent. Uh, but I think it's very tight right now.
1: Yeah, so MVP-wise, I take a very simple approach to this question. I ask mm-hmm. myself, who's the best player in the NFL? And every single time I ask that question, I come to the answer of Patrick Mahomes. You know, you got uh-huh. some wannabe experts who think it's Aaron Donald, but I'm just going to disregard and that. No, no,
0: no. Uh,
1: Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, at the end of the day, can do, um, has more ability than any other quarterback. He can make more throws than other quarterbacks. He's got the legs, too. Mm-hmm. And then 33 touchdowns, five interceptions. Not as good as Rodgers, but mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, he's the best player in the NFL. They okay. have a better record, uh 12 and 1. I think the Packers are 11 and 3 or something they are like 11 that. And 3. 11 and yep. 3. And then and Mahomes is in a worse division, I will give him that. They did lose mm-hmm. to the Raiders, you know, Raiders mm-hmm. <laughs> showed out that game, but uh Mahomes is the best player in the league. He's still the MVP. They're never out of any game and Aaron Rodgers does have a significant, significantly better run game with Aaron Jones than Mahomes does. I think the Chiefs could have a better run game if they wanted to, but Andy Reid likes to pad Mahomes' stats a little bit. But uh, Mahomes is still the MVP, in my opinion, because he's still the best player in the NFL.
0: Yeah, like we said, this really could go either way. But speaking of MVPs, uh, (laughs) let's talk about the MVP from last year, Lamar Jackson. I'm going to go ahead and start this one out. Is Lamar Jackson regressing? Why or why not? I personally, after watching Lamar Jackson play – after kind of scouting the Ravens' talent, seeing that they haven't really lost a whole lot coming into this season. I fully expected this Ravens team to almost go undefeated. I had this team going 14-2 and before the season. I had them splitting games with the Kansas City Chiefs. uh,
1: They did have the easiest strength of schedule in the entire NFL at the beginning of the season. Exactly. Exactly. So, as a result, I was thinking that Lamar Jackson coming off the incredible
0: 37-touchdown season that he had last year – I was thinking that he would be able to replicate some of these success. I mean, a lot of people are just kind of writing him off after that loss to the Titans saying, playoff Lamar, playoff Lamar. Uh, and I was like, I think that's a little bit unwarranted, given that everyone was kind of criticizing him as being like a one-dimensional running back. But coming into this season, Lamar Jackson has just been – honestly, I could have put him as my underperforming player and yeah, had an argument for definitely. it. I, I think that the league as a whole is just figuring him out. And I, I think that the big issue for him is his his arm is just not there. He can't hit wide open receivers. Mm-hmm. He's overthrowing guys. He's underthrowing guys. He's very inconsistent as a passer. He he doesn't get his feet set because he's always looking for that run, which is a little bit of a weakness. I think that the running has obviously been there. That's never been a question for Lamar Jackson. But I think that he definitely has regressed as the league is able to adapt to his play style because I think that – The biggest player that I think kind of symbolizes his game is Michael Vick. But the thing with Michael Vick is Michael Vick is an amazing thrower. Mm -hmm. Uh, He can can pass the ball like any other uh, quarterback in the league, but he can also run the ball better than any other quarterback in the league, which is what made him so deadly. With Lamar Jackson, yes, he had that 37-touchdown season, but coming into this season – you, you can just see him being loose with the football. He, he's not hitting wide-open receivers. Yes, that Ravens receiving core is not the most talented in the league yeah. at all. But he's just consistently missing guys like Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is definitely a top-five tight end in the in the league. And you've got Hollywood Brown, who's a player that he's supposed to be developing. You've also got, I mean, Des Bryant, not really doing too much there. But, yeah, yes, this team ha- is loaded with talent. And I think that Lamar definitely has taken a step back. Uh, Dylan, what do you think about it?
1: Yeah, so I don't necessarily think Lamar is regressing. I think people are just figuring his game out. I still take okay. this as a – don't take that as a positive. It's still a negative because um, Lamar, at the end of the day, he can't make those throws. He can't make the throws deep. He can't hit mm-hmm. back shoulder fades. He has to have True. a wide-open receiver that's got separation, and he's still missing those. I didn't see him make his throws. make those throws last year. And he's certainly not mm-hmm. making them this year. I think they're just kind mm-hmm. of slowing down his running game a bit. He has been picking it up yeah. a bit recently. But mm-hmm. if you think he's playing the same as he was last year, you're sadly mistaken. I mean, I think they're just figuring out his game. Obviously, mm-hmm. he just he just needs to get that arm going. And I think we'll see Lamar start to become like a top three QB again. Yeah, I definitely do agree.
0: Uh, now let's move... Uh, to the AFC. Uh, let's continue with the AFC here, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they were 11-0. and uh, They were kind of catching the league by storm, but then suddenly they dropped two of their last games. Dylan, do you think that the Steelers are overrated, or do you think that they're overhated, and why?
1: I think it is a bit of both, but mm-hmm. I am going to side with the haters on this one. They are overrated. We talked about yeah. the Ravens having the easiest strength of schedule entering the season. The Steelers had the mm-hmm. second easiest strength of schedule entering the season. <laughs> Um, end of the day, their defense is still elite. It always has been. They're still a very, very good football team, but Big Ben Roethlisberger, he's definitely been declining. Um, the receiving core, you know, Deontay Johnson, Juju, yeah. Chase Claypool, it's a solid mm-hmm. bunch, but are they uh, good enough? Are they good? As good as the record says they are, I don't think they're anywhere near as good as the record says they are. So I think they're overrated. Yeah, Uh, I am
0: also taking the same stance as Dylan here. I think that the Steelers are overrated. Uh, I don't think that this is a question for me. I think that the Steelers undoubtedly are overrated. I think if you match Mm -hmm. them up with any of the top five teams in the NFL, they are losing every single one of those games, the Buffalo Bills being one of them. Uh, Yep. I mean, if you just look at the offense, Ben Roethlisberger has just not been been great. I mean, he's really showing how old he is that, that They ha- they average the least time from snap to throw, yeah. I think, in the NFL. So Ben is always just looking to get off a quick throw. Jag routes, all of that. Yeah, of that stuff. It's, it's just very short routes. But the problem is what you want to do with those kind of routes, you want to get them to your speedy receivers. You got Claypool, you got Juju, you got Deontay Johnson. You got all three of these guys, very skilled, very fast. But these guys can't catch the ball. I, I, 9% of nine percent of total throws from this offense are dropped. Mm. That is a staggering number. That is the highest it has been by a team in the NFL in the last three years. That's an actual fact. Oh. And it's the most drops in the NFL by a receiving group this season. If this team wants to take it to the next level, if this team wants people to respect them, this receiving core definitely needs a lot of work. I think that Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool – and Deontay Johnson are a very solid group of wide receivers. I think that the offensive line is very good. And also, yeah. I think another huge, huge, huge weakness of them is that absence of a run game. James Conner has been inefficient. Benny Snell, just as inefficient. Yeah, This group cannot get anything going. And it is very sad because this Steelers <laughs> team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, when you think of Pittsburgh Steelers, you think of the run, and this team can't run the football ever since Le'Veon Bell left, which I mm-hmm. just think is pretty sad. And I actually want to take a little bit of a deeper dive here and go into the Steelers' 11-2 record. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and break down these first three games before they went on their bye. They won against the New York Giants, not a very good team. you got another win against the Denver Broncos. Again, not a very good team. you got another win against the 4-10 and Houston Texans. True, they do have talent, but on defense they don't really because they just lost to Jadamion Connie. Then they go into their bye. They win against Philadelphia. They win against a... They, they have a resounding win against Cleveland, but I kind of chalk that up to Cleveland not really figuring out their offensive identity. I do think they've gotten into a bit of a groove now, uh, which mm. is why they are able to beat stronger teams. Uh, then they went against Tennessee. That was a very good game. They went against Baltimore. Baltimore, again, kind of underperforming. They went against an injured Dallas. They went against a battered Cincinnati. They went against a horrible, horrible Jacksonville. They went against... The Baltimore Ravens, but when the Ravens didn't even have their best player, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> then you finally have them lose to the Washington football team. Now, I'd honestly say a lot of people s- saw this coming. I wouldn't say that this is as big of a shock as people are making out to be because the Washington football team is a very good football team. They can compete with mm-hmm. almost everyone because of their defense. Their defense is mm-hmm. incredibly strong. And I think that their offense can kind of manage, uh, yeah. obviously, the... Pittsburgh Steelers have one of the best defenses, so they couldn't really get it going. Uh, But this Washington team beat them, and it it kind of sent shockwaves. and I think that that kind of defeat led to them kind of having a little bit of a mental lapse when they went into Buffalo, and Buffalo just kind of smoked them. Josh Allen made these guys look like a high school team. I love Josh Allen. Same, same, same. Dylan, Dylan, thank you for introducing me to Josh (laughs) Allen. I will thank you for the first time on the air. Uh, I really <laughs> like this kid. And and Josh Allen just kind of decimated these guys. I mean, I think that, like I said before, I do not think that the Steelers are a top five team in the league. Yeah. And I think that a large part of their success is because of their record. I don't think that they go very far in the playoffs either because I think that the lack of talent and the lack of really, I guess, kind of offensive efficientness yeah. means that their defense is not going to be able to carry them to a bunch of wins. So. That's why I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are overrated.
1: Yeah, so we're going to keep with the uh, NFL talk. We're going to talk about my second favorite player in the mm-hmm. NFL, my boy Baker Mayfield, who I've con- defended since the yep. dawn of this podcast. So yep. the ultimate question here is, is Baker Mayfield becoming a top 15 quarterback? What do you think, Chief?
0: Dylan, I'm going to take this opportunity to again – This is the second time that I'm going to do this on the air. I'm going to apologize to you again. I had Baker Mayfield at 22nd when we did our QB rankings. Mm -hmm. I did catch a lot of heat from that from you, but I said Baker just doesn't have the decision-making. He just I I don't really, I don't know. I don't know. I was skeptical of Baker Mayfield. But I'd say as the way that he's been playing as of late and the way that the Cleveland Browns are kind of establishing their offense and kind of utilizing their weapons like Rashard Higgins and – Jarvis Landry, and of course, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, I think that Baker Mayfield is a top 15 quarterback in this league pretty easily. I think the last two games have been indicative of that, going almost 400 yards against the Ravens, who do not have a weak defense at all. And I think, to be completely honest, this is a little bit of an unpopular opinion. I think he played better than Lamar that game. Yes, okay. Lamar did set out a little bit of that, but I do think that Baker Mayfield had the stronger game overall. Yes, he did have that one interception, but that was just a good defensive play rather than a bad decision by Baker. I think he's a definite top 15 quarterback, but since you know a lot more about him, Dill, I'll I'll let you go.
1: Yeah, so I just want to send this message real quick. Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. you know, proving people wrong his entire career. I just want to uh, point this out. I have never seen – Baker Mayfield credited for a Cleveland Brown win. I know they are still, I would say, a run-based team. You know, we haven't really seen Baker win a game throwing, you know, 50 pass attempts. He did have some great previous games, 334 and two touchdowns, and then 343 and three touchdowns, I believe, his past two games. Um, The run game has been good, uh, but Baker's been playing even better, in my opinion. I mean, the Mm -hmm. run game does keep them in the games at some times. And then mm-hmm. the games Baker uh has been receiving hatred on oh he's going like one twenty yards and one touchdown. Mm-hmm. They're playing in like negative thirty seven degree temperatures with like twenty five <laughs> mile an hour wind. Obviously that's gonna be a ground and pound game. Oh the rain
0: game, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: They've been playing in the snow, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just want to see Baker get some credit. I mean, people credit mm-hmm. the defense, but they've been playing very bad on the recent as seen with the Ravens game. I think giving up forty two to the Ravens. Yep. And then uh Another thing too with Baker, um, he's been making reads, and the past few games, actually, really the entire season, mostly, he's been doing all this without the WR one on the team in Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. So and, and nobody's really pointing that out. Jarvis Landry has been stepping up, but yep. I, I'm glad to see Baker, you know, getting some more attention in the media, and I think mm-hmm. Baker's only going up from here.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think that
1: Baker kind of gets a bad rap. I mean, I.
0: Of course, I like to hop on the Baker hate on the Baker hate train, so I am kind of part of that negative media surrounding his name. Uh, but I do definitely agree with you that the media doesn't really give him credit when he does succeed, and mm-hmm. when they he doesn't succeed, they kind of like to bash him a little. But you can say that about any professional athlete.
1: Yeah. So we're gonna move on to some NBA talk now. One of the biggest moves made this off season, you know, that Westbrook for John Wall trade. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna discuss this for a little bit here. I think. Mm-hmm. James Harden, the Houston Rockets, I think that's all coming down. I think the uh-huh. dynasty is collapsing. They're not really dynasty, mm-hmm. but I think that team is collapsing. Uh-huh. Um, I've been seeing James Harden walking around, you know, going to a little baby's birthday party, <laughs> yeah. uh, going to training camp. <laughs> uh-huh. James Harden is tired of Houston, and at the end of the mm-hmm. day, I can't really blame him. They don't give him what he needs. You know, they're a yeah. first or second round exit every single season. Yeah. But I think James Harden doesn't get enough credit as well because – When it comes to that Warriors dynasty with Curry, Clay, KD, he was the Mm -hmm. only player that even came close to beating this team. And Uh I think everybody kind of knows it would have gotten pretty dicey for the Warriors if Chris Paul didn't get Mm -hmm. injured in that game six and didn't play game Mm -hmm. seven in the Western Conference Finals. Mm -hmm. I'm going to move on to the Wizards side now. I like it for the Wizards. Uh, John Wall, um, obviously his main skill is slashing. Russell Westbrook's Mm -hmm. not the best shooter either. But I think Mm -hmm. John Wall and Bradley Beal were kind of having some tension. And I think Westbrook uh, is going to kind of be a leader for this team. Bradley Beal is not really the leading type. I like Mm -hmm. what Westbrook brings with his passion and energy. I know his shooting's not good. I mean, maybe Bradley Beal can help him out for that. But I think the Wizards Mm -hmm. will be a solid team this year. I
0: -hmm. don't really
1: see it as a big plus or a big negative. I think it's pretty neutral for them. But the Rockets, I'm very concerned about this uh, with James Harden in their situation. Yeah, uh, I take kind of a similar stance here, Dylan. I think that
0: if the Houston Rockets are going to keep James Harden, if they're going to keep him happy, I think this is a win-win for both teams. I think that Westbrook and Harden, is, it's just not working out. I think that Chris Paul and Harden were honestly the better duo, the more mm-hmm. effective duo. Westbrook and Harden, I, I don't want to even call Russell Westbrook a super selfish player. I will call James Harden a selfish player because a lot of his points cop up. Come off of isolations. He's he's always a shoot first, uh, ask questions later guy. So I I definitely don't think that that was going to be working for them because Russell is definitely a slasher, but he mm-hmm. just wasn't kind of he wasn't getting into that kind of small ball rockets uh, rockets organization. Yeah. I'm glad that the Rockets were able to get DeMarcus Cousins as well. I think that they were really lacking someone at the center position. That's what really hurt them against uh the Los Angeles Lakers. AD was just scoring at will against yeah. Robert Covington. Uh I think that they honestly they have a decent uh they have a decent four players in DeMarcus Cousins, Christian Wood, uh James Harden and uh John Wall. I think that John Wall could potentially be a better fit than Russell Westbrook for the uh for the Houston Rockets but yeah, if James Harden leaves, it, the Rockets are basically done. They're just yeah. going to be an above-average team because uh, they don't have the talent on the bench to kind of support that team and make it go places. I do like the move for the Washington Wizards. Like you said, Dylan, John Wall is kind of an injury liability for them. Yeah, so that he's not exactly – well. So he's not exactly been able to lead the team to a lot of places. And from what I've seen – I mean, this is just on social media, so this is not exactly, like, yeah. facts, but – Russell Russell Westbrook (laughs) is looking pretty happy ever since he's he's been in uh Washington you can kind of see him yapping it up with all the guys there he's he's having a lot of fun so I I do kind of like this move a little bit more for the Wizards if because their chemistry just seems a little bit better but if the Rockets are able to kind of keep everyone happy I think that they can go a little bit farther
1: yeah so we're going to talk some more NBA one of the biggest uh question marks this season, what people mm-hmm. are looking forward to is this Nets duo with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. So is it going to work? Is it not? I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it is going to work because okay. you saw a similar type of situation with Kyrie and LeBron definitely working. And yeah. at the end of the day, talent is what you need in the NBA. You need star players to win basketball games. And they've mm-hmm. got two superstars with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I mm-hmm. think you're definitely going to have some uh, tough spots. They're both very clutch players. Who's going to take yeah. the last shot at the end? Um, mm-hmm. You know, who are they kind of going to run that offense through? Mm-hmm. I think it is going to work because at the end of the day, they got two, like, top 10, 15 players in the NBA.
0: Okay. Yeah, so honestly, going into the season without really seeing these two playing together, I automatically assumed that this was not going to work out just because I think that because Kyrie was so injury-prone, he's sitting out a lot of games, and KD wasn't exactly healthy either. Uh, with that Achilles injury. Uh, I think that once those two were reinstituted back into the starter positions, I think guys like Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis LeVert kind of would have They've got great role
1: players as well.
0: Yeah, they have very good role players. It's a miracle that these guys, like, were in the playoffs uh, with with the talent that they had. I mean, yeah, they got destroyed. But uh, moving on, I think that this team, like Dylan said, I think they have too much talent to not succeed if – Let's, I'd say the more volatile of the two is Kyrie Irving, just because, you know, his behavior in the past. He's saying the media are are pawns. He's refusing to speak to them. Yeah,
1: I mean, Kyrie, like, he's got a PhD in philosophy or something. I yeah,
0: mean, like... <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's, I don't know. I feel like he, he gets a bad rap for being weird, but I think mm-hmm. at the same time, he's just so weird, like, you can't really <laughs> support him. But uh, <laughs> but moving on to what we've seen in preseason, KD just came out, scored 27 like it's nothing uh, in just, like, the limited minutes that he's given. He looks like he has not missed a step since that Achilles injury, uh, and I do think that he is going to be able to work with this Nets team. Yeah, another uh, thing,
1: too, I just wanted to point out, when KD mm-hmm. was on the Warriors, Steph Curry deferred to Kevin Durant in those moments when they needed to the score. Uh-huh. I think it's a very big question mark if Kyrie Irving is going to be willing to do yeah. the same thing.
0: Yeah, because uh, I'd say, I mean, of course, there are a lot of differences between Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving. But I do Mm -hmm. think that Steph is more of a pass first kind of trying to set up the play guy than Kyrie is. Uh, I mean, even during preseason, Kyrie's kind of taking a lot of ISO looks, a lot of post fades. uh, But he has been playing very well. I think a lot uh, of issues for Kyrie obviously were injuries, but also inconsistent play and chemistry issues. But so far, it's looking like it's working out. I'm also cautiously optimistic about this duo but i do definitely think that this team can go places because of the talent that they have
1: all right next up we're going to talk some uh some boxing some uh, social media jake paul <laughs> has emerged out of nowhere and has become the really a bright spot on house of highlights social media all of this stuff after mm-hmm. just ending nate robinson's uh career now yeah. he's saying he wants to fight conor mcgregor i think we all saw that video yeah. lebron james he's talking about kanye west jake mm-hmm. paul um you you beat nate robinson i'm gonna that's a great accomplishment for you you know you kind of got your name back mm-hmm. in the headlines but mm-hmm. conor mcgregor is gonna probably break all of your bones in your entire yeah. body lebron's not gonna box you and then kanye mm-hmm. west i mean what that guy's like five five one hundred like 50 <laughs> pounds kanye's not gonna fight him jake paul would would murk kanye for sure but uh yeah, I think this is a great move by Jake Paul. I gotta give credit where credit is due. Boxing's kinda mm-hmm. revamping them after, mm-hmm. you know, their rap songs, their YouTube videos. Yeah. But he's he's taking this too far. I don't think he really needs yeah. it though. But mm-hmm. I I gotta give him credit for beating Nate Robinson.
0: Yeah, uh yeah. <laughs> they called it a hate crime after he mm-hmm. dropped Nate. I, I I bought that fight, uh, on pay per view. I watched that. Uh me and two of my two of my buddies are watching it with me and yeah, when we saw that happen, and Nate hit the canvas, and then we saw the the trending hashtag Nate Robinson challenge with people yeah. just falling on the ground. That that was hilarious. Uh, but I will, yeah, like Dylan said, I will give credit where credit is due. I thought that Nate Robinson was going to win this fight because he is a professional, a former professional athlete. Uh, but in this fight, Jake just looked a lot more poised. He was ready. He was. He was kind of confused by, uh, by Nate's game plan, which was to run at him and try and hug him. Uh, I think anyone would have been confused in that situation. But then he kind of he, – he timed it very well when Nate just rushed in to kind of give him another smooch. Uh, he just hit him right in the face, and Nate – yeah, he did his thing on the yeah. ground. Uh, I think that if this guy goes against a regular fighter, he's getting absolutely, like, destroyed. Conor McGregor, I mean, he has not even acknowledged that Jake is really kind of doing all this stuff, which I think it's just an L for Jake. Uh, Another person that Jake has actually been targeting is Conor McGregor's uh, sparring partner, Dylan Dennis. Uh, Uh, If you're you're into MMA, you might know who this guy is. Uh, So he's basically Conor McGregor's kind of like wrestling partner. He trained him like for Khabib, but uh, all in all, this guy also, he, I don't like him at all. He's a very, he's a jerk, Um, but that's not the point. <laughs> uh, but uh jay kind of like rode up on dylan in his like car and like threw like water balloons or something yeah, at him. Something like, like i that. don't even know what that video was uh but jake basically i mean he's he's an incredible uh he's an incredible businessman i, I will give it to him because even if he does not fight connor his next fight al- already has so much hype because he's calling out everyone he thinks he can beat everyone even if he loses he really wins because he's getting so much mm-hmm. money right and with the promotion to Zone kind of revamping how boxing is, is being watched across the nation, I think that definitely Jake has a bright future in terms of marketing. But I think in terms of skill, I if you match this guy up against Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor is like, yeah, he's even though Conor's not a boxer, like Jake is leading there in a stretcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that he's just kind of looking for celebrity bouts over actual fighters. I don't yeah. think... This is actually anything serious. But moving on to another another Paul brother. This fight has actually been confirmed. Floyd Mayweather, 50-0, and 0, is fighting Logan Paul, Jake Paul's brother. Dylan, do you have any thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, so Floyd Mayweather, 50-0 and 0 or 51-0. I don't really follow up boxing that closely. He is about yeah. 50 years old, but Mayweather is the greatest fight, greatest boxer in terms of records. You could say mm-hmm. he's the greatest boxer in terms of skill. You know, obviously mm-hmm. people are going to pay to watch this, but Logan mm-hmm. Paul is not beating a mm-hmm. top 1% boxer in in mm-hmm. in the history of the earth. I mean, Floyd Mayweather, yeah. he's a great defensive fighter. Floyd, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to knock out Logan Paul. You know, he does get yeah. smashed for his defensive style. Maybe he'll take mm-hmm. a few shots on Logan Paul, but Logan Paul is not winning. And uh, Floyd Mayweather is definitely going to win this fight, in my opinion
0: yeah no question floyd's got this in the bag floyd could literally be like blind and 60 and i would still pick Mm. him over logan paul logan paul honestly i think that jake paul is a bigger bigger shot to win that fight over logan just because Mm. i think that jake has kind of looked like a better fighter i mean yes he has technically fought lesser opponents but i think that he's just looked like a better fighter but i think that this yeah this is not even going to be close and i feel like Mayweather is just going to be 51-0 after this. It's an easy nice. paycheck for him. So it's, he wins no matter what the outcome is. All
1: right. Last segment, my favorite segment, one yep. thing we love or one thing we hate. Mm-hmm. You know, we are coming back to the podcast, so I'm going to do one thing we love. It was actually some breaking news today. Kyle yeah. Kuzma signs a three-year, $40 million contract <laughs> with the Lakers. I yeah. actually very much like this contract for the Lakers. Because... Really? At the end of the day, LeBron James is going to be retiring, and we're going to need some some foundation. And I think Kyle Kuzma is going to be a part of that foundation. Obviously, Anthony Davis is signed long-term. He's still going to be the yeah. best player on that team once LeBron leaves. But yeah. paying Kyle Kuzma $13.3 you know, million per year with his potential, with his scoring he was doing before LeBron and AD got here, I actually mm-hmm. really like it um, compared to the other Blasphemous contracts you are seeing, such as Rudy Gobert <laughs> getting forty yeah. million dollars a year for putting up ten points and ten rebounds, and
0: Gordon Gordon Hayward Gordon Hayward, Hayward, and oh, he's
1: already injured.
0: Like yeah. he already injured his pinky, and he's getting paid like one hundred and forty mil. Like yeah. that's ridiculous. So
1: Kuzma is definitely going to need another contract. He's still very young, but three years, he's going to need to show us what he could do if LeBron ends up leaving in those three years. But I like I like the foundation. They're not really overpaying. I think it's a nice, sweet spot contract for the Lakers.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I like that you were going positive today, Dale, because I also went positive. This one's a little bit more basic, but, I mean, it's an immediate love. Uh, You guys that are listening, because our core viewer base are people that we know. (laughs) Uh, I I love that we're on a break right now from school. I mean, yeah, we're in our our junior year, so it is a little bit kind of tougher for finals. But I think that overall online – the online finals experience wasn't too bad for for me, mm-hmm. uh, Dylan. I'm not sure if it was the same way for you as well. It was pretty uh, solid. It was pretty solid. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. Uh, yeah, but I I uh, there was still like a lot of work uh, and stuff. So it was it's really nice to have like a break. Uh, me and Dylan actually we played football the other day. Uh, so it, it, it's it's nice to kind of uh, have a break from school, not like sitting from the computer at like yeah. 7 a.m. and like try to wake your brain up and listen to someone like talk in Spanish. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, it, it's ideal to kind of have a break, especially during like times like this, so you can actually do stuff that you enjoy. So yeah, I went I went more positive for today.
1: Yeah, yeah. so that's gonna wrap up our returning episode. We're gonna be doing it once a week on Sundays. We got top mm-hmm. twenty NBA players coming out this week after mm-hmm. ESPN's horrible list, and then yep. we're also gonna be doing top ten wide receivers. You know, is DK Metcalf a top ten? We're you're gonna oh, have to wait and see, know. and uh, we'll yeah. see.